0: So let's um, let's settle into a meditation together, and we can um, let the those intentions, whether you know our own intention or that sense of that richness, that abundance of intentions, to be more loving and accepting. Yeah. Let that be there as um, kind of a pillar of support for us as we settle into the practice. Yeah. Beginning by. Um, finding the posture for this time. Probably have around 25 minutes of practice together. So feeling into the body and making any adjustments that will support the body to be stable and steady and balanced in the posture. Maybe we can check in a little bit. How does the posture, how does the way the body is being held right now how does that align with my intention? So if my intention had an element of opening perhaps in it, then can I invite the body to open? Can I perhaps rest the hands or the arms in a way that supports the opening of the chest, the... Loosening of the shoulders. If perhaps my intention was connected to some form of energizing or empowering, how can the body align, the posture of the body align with that And, you know, we're not talking about big, dramatic changes. It might be very subtle, gentle adjustments that we make, sometimes just with the awareness. So the body, as much as possible, supported and stable and steady and balanced. And particular balance that can be helpful to pay attention to would be the balance of uprightness and ease in the body in particular in the back and in the torso. And we'll allow, we'll invite the attention and the awareness to settle more fully in the body experience, maybe using the sensations of contact, body with seat, body with ground, as a way of grounding, of rooting the awareness in the body. from that rootedness in the contact areas, opening out the awareness in the body. Expanding it a little through the body or a lot until we can include the breath, the flow of the breathing within the field of the body in awareness. So we're feeling the stability and the support of the body and within that stable, steady space, the flow and the movement of the breathing. particularly tuning in to welcoming the breath into awareness, welcoming the breath into the body as it arises and moves through and passes out again. And we have a fairly wide open sense of awareness in the body we're particularly tuning in to the flow of the breathing through the body, as well as tuning in to an attitude of receptivity, of welcoming and allowing the breath. If the breath is not a comfortable or useful object for you, you can use body sensations, or you can use sound just to name that, the receiving of sound. So this will be our practice for some time, in really grounding, rooting in the body, and emphasizing, attuning to receptive, welcoming quality in awareness and attention towards the breath. If it's helpful for you, you can use phrases such as, may you be welcomed, allowed, received, and if that's helpful, you can include that. Exploring for yourself, how does that impact practice of being present with the breathing as it flows in and out of the body. tuning in into a welcoming and allowing frequency of awareness. Receiving the breath, welcoming the breath. If distractions arise, acknowledging that there's a distraction without judging, without adding tension to the experience. receiving the presence of your attention right now as you know that distraction is arising. Connecting to your intention for practice. And coming back to a wide and grounded awareness in the body with the body. Receiving and allowing the breath, welcoming the breath, as it moves through the body field, as it is known in and within awareness. as you welcome, receive the breath, allow the breath. Tuning in also to anything somewhat pleasant in the experience right now. It might be something pleasant in the breathing or in the body. Or if you're working with sounds, with the sounds or the experience of hearing itself. Opening to tune in to anything pleasant in experience and allowing that, welcoming that, receiving that. A very open awareness, very much an open hand. If it's something pleasant, you're welcome. Welcome to be. Welcome to arise. And also welcome to change and to pass in its own time. So expanding that sense of welcoming towards an experience in its full range of arising and changing and passing, and particularly welcoming what is to some degree pleasant in experience right now. welcomed and allowed to arise, change, and pass. go of that pleasant aspect of experience. I mean opening to feel whatever is somewhat mildly unpleasant in experience right now. Might be a unpleasant sensation somewhere or sound. opening to receive that too, receiving allowing and welcoming welcome to arise to stay to change to pass in its own time What happens when we see when we receive experience in this way? Even what is somewhat unpleasant to us. still relatively wide and open in the body and just like we receive the breath receiving that particular sensation or sensations open field of awareness and attention receptive And opening even more to the full range of our experience. The less pleasant, the not particularly interesting. The lovely and the beautiful. Receiving it all, the whole range. receiving it all allowing it all welcoming all of it any of it to rise to stay or to change to pass in its own time welcome Welcome. For the last period of this practice together, extending that sense of welcoming and allowing and receiving towards the totality of your experience. Towards the sense of yourself. And also towards others around you, in this hall, in the world. May we all be welcomed and received and allowed in this arising and changing and passing, of the manifestations of experience that we call me or you, us or them, all arising and passing, all changing. All allowed and received in awareness. instead of having a bell I'd like to invite you to take time with this transition now from one form of practice to another and as you listen now receive the sounds as you open the eyes receive the seeing and the stimuli of the visual field as you move perhaps out of a posture Receive the sensations of the body. So taking your time, finding your pace with that transition. So, just a few words before I share some uh, more da- Dharma reflections. Um, a few words about Dāna and uh, that opportunity that we have as part of this practice together to support uh, the Dharma through our generosity, through our giving. So, I realize that many people may by now have this uh, meeting room, kind of your <laughs> regular meeting, so you might not be going via the Gaia House website. But if you go back to the Gaia House website, you'll see that um, on the same page where there's the link to the Dharma Hall, there's also information about supporting Gaia House and supporting um, the teachers for, for these offerings of these um, online Dharma Hall gatherings that, that we're so um, fortunate to have and so if you feel moved to if you're able to that's a real support you know, both to Gaia house um, and to me and through that support uh, you know I've said it here a few times but we can feel that that movement of wishing to support um, and then that being a support that carries on yeah that it keeps on, uh, reverberating in the world. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for uh, the dhana of my teachers. yeah. Um, and possibly I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the dhana of people like you. Yeah. I may have had to uh, do something else in order to support myself. <laughs> and so I would be less available. So we can see that. you know, It really is a practice that links us to this a wider network of our experience, that wider network of um, of how we are so closely interwoven with with each other. So there's that opportunity if you wish, and, and you know where to find the links. So thanks to these uh, thanks to these online dharma. Um, whole sessions. It's it's a great opportunity for for us, you know, because it's a different form of teaching than teaching retreats. Um, So it adds a whole layer of of creativity and exploration. Um, And one thing that that I've been really enjoying doing is sharing suttas and exploring them uh, with you. I think I've done quite a few of those already. Um, So today... I'd like to, to explore uh, a sutta called Lokavipati Sutta, translated, yeah, maybe I won't, I don't like the translation of that, <laughs> the name, so I won't bother sharing it, um, and I'll just go straight in to, to reading, uh, and the translation is, um, is by Tanisaru Bhikkhu, who some of you may have realized by now is my uh, preferred translation, translator of the text. So he begins by um, usual. Uh, so the Buddha is is beginning a teaching, and he's beginning a teaching um, by actually asking a question. But it's a very long question. <laughs> so here's how it begins. He says, um, "You know, dear practitioners, these eight worldly conditions." spin after the world, and the world spins after these eight worldly conditions. That's beautiful language. (laughs) These eight worldly conditions spin after the world, and the world spins after these eight worldly conditions. Which eight? Gain and loss. Status and disgrace. Censor and praise pleasure and pain. These are the eight worldly conditions that spin after the world and the world spins after these eight worldly conditions. Sometimes they're called the worldly winds also. Um, And I love the language here, the spin after the world and the world spins after them. It it actually makes me a little bit dizzy, (laughs) which... um, is kind of a really good. You see how how um, how poetic and wise the language is, because it gives us the felt sense of our experience. Yeah, with these um, with these eight worldly conditions, and maybe also say that they're uh, translated differently. So you may have heard them differently. Uh, gain and loss and pleasure and pain are usually translated more or less the same. Um, sometimes uh, status and disgrace are uh, translated as. Um, Success and failure, yeah. And um, censor is sometimes translated as blame. So we have like these, but there are these four pairs. And so, Buddha continues, for an uninstructed, ordinary person, yeah, for an ordinary person who has not come across the teachings, there arise gain and loss, status and disgrace, censor and praise, pleasure and pain. And for a well-instructed disciple, someone who practises and knows the teaching, there also arise gain, loss, status, disgrace, censor, praise, pleasure and pain, okay? So for the uninstructed ordinary person and for the well-instructed practitioner, these arise, yeah? they arise for both so what difference here's the question finally so what difference what distinction what distinction distinguishing factor is there between the well-instructed disciple disciple and the uninstructed ordinary person okay and this is a, I think we've already heard this even here before. Um, this is one of his teaching tools, yeah, the Buddha's teaching tools, when he asks, what's the difference yeah, between uh, someone who practices and someone who hasn't come across the teachings and the practices uh, in relation to our experience? Yeah? So the arising of the experience is the same. Yeah? We both experience these, we both experience... Um, pleasure and pain. Yeah, that's quite obvious to us. Yeah, we both, uh, we all experience gain and loss, and we all experience uh, censor and praise, status and dis- disgrace. And the emphasis here, the, the reason I, I feel like he, always, like he likes to use this um, is because he's emphasizing that the difference is not in the experiences that arise for us, but in how we relate and respond to them. Okay. How we relate and respond to them. And so he's going into more detail. Yeah, he's going into more. So what happens? What happens to an ordinary person? It says, Gain arises for an uninstructed ordinary person. And they do not reflect. Gain, they do not reflect. Gain has arisen for me. It is inconstant, stressful, and subject to change. They do not discern it as it has come to be. Okay? They do not discern it as it has come to be. And the same with loss, with status, with disgrace, with censor, with praise, with pleasure. Yes, it goes through that whole chain every time. Pain arises and the person does not reflect. Pain has arisen for me. It is inconstant, stressful and subject to change. They do not discern it as it has come to be. Yeah, as it has arisen. So... They don't reflect in that way what happens to them. And them is actually also us because we all know this experience. Okay. Even though we've come across the Dharma and we are practicing, this is still true for all of us. So what happens to us? Okay, our mind remains consumed with gain. Our mind remains consumed with loss, with status, with disgrace, with censor, with praise with pleasure. Our mind remains consumed with pain. And again, the language so precise, consumed with pain, consumed with gain, consumed with success, consumed with failure, consumed with disgrace, yeah? What does that mean, yeah? It means that whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, yeah? You can see these pairings of what we want and what we don't want. Either way, yeah? Either way, whether pleasant or painful, The process for us is the same, yeah? The mind consumed by it, yeah? We think in our experience, and we can look back at our experience, we think this is all there is, yeah? This is all there is, yeah? The world shrinks and contracts around that particular spin, (laughs) yeah? That particular spin of our minds, yeah? And with that contraction, with that shrinking of the world of um awareness yeah, of our sense of who we are, yeah, with that shrinking comes dukkha, and it's the same whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, yeah if it's unpleasant, it's like, oh, this is all there is, and that becomes a huge big deal, yeah that we need to fight off and get rid of if it's pleasant, then. Um, you know we need to protect it we need to preserve it or uh, we get swept away by it and then when it starts to change yeah we feel that oh, what have I done <laughs> yeah what have I done wrong yeah that I'm now losing this mm-hmm. so either way dukkha dissatisfaction stress suffering pain arises and um, this image of the worldly winds or the worldly conditions, yeah, and that spinning and that sense of, um, it's actually quite windy here today, <laughs> and, and it really feels like if I had the window and the door open now, uh, we would get a really good image of that. Yeah, and that's what our lives feel like sometimes, right? We're buffeted by all these things that are flowing in at us, yeah, that are blowing in at us, yeah. Oh, someone says something really... Um, you know, beautiful to us, and it's like, whoa, you know, and we're off on a spin, that spin, and then someone else doesn't smile at us, and it's a different kind of spin, right? We get something that's really wonderful, and we're, you know, really, you know, pleased, and then we lose something, and we get completely distraught. So that sense of that being buffeted by these winds, or being constantly spun, you know, like a child's toy, by the occurrences, by the arisings of our lives. Yeah. And the important thing is here, what the Buddha is really pointing to very clearly in this process, is that this spin is not happening from the outside. Okay? Really important. That spin is not something that is just happening to us because of events. Yeah? It's an internal movement. Yeah, And because it's an internal movement, we can work with it. And we can work with it skillfully. Uh, we can become more familiar, yeah, with this sense of push and pull that we have towards experience. So here's uh, here's how the Buddha phrases um, what happens to the uninstructed ordinary person. Yeah. This is his phrasing. They um, they drink in the arisen gain, yeah, and they rebel against the arisen loss, yeah. They drink in the arisen status and rebel against the arisen disgrace. They drink in the arisen praise and they rebel against the arisen censor. Yeah. And they drink in, they kind of suck in the arisen pleasure and rebel against the arisen pain. And as they are thus engaged in drinking in, soaking it, like slurping in and rebelling, yeah, they are not released from birth, aging or death. From sorrows, lamentations, pains, distresses, or despairs, they are not released. I tell you, from suffering and stress. It's one of the um, paragraphs that's repeated a lot in the teachings. When he when he talks about suffering, he doesn't soften it for us. Yeah, yeah. sorrows, lamentations, pains, distresses, or despairs. Yeah, not freed from. And why? Yeah, why is that? Why does that happen? Because in that pushing, that trying to grab in, to take in, and the rebelling against, within that pushing and pulling is the dukkha, is the suffering. Within that is the friction with life, yeah? and that contraction of the mind and the body. So that's the ordinary person, which as I've said, we all know very well, at least I do, <laughs> from our own experience. Yeah, We know this and here's how it can be done differently okay which i think we also all know i don't think i know we also all know these possibilities okay so gain arises for a well instructed practitioner and they reflect gain has arisen for me yeah something good has happened yeah? gain has arisen for me it is inconstant Stressful and subject to change. They discern it as it has come to be. Yeah. You see, this has arisen. Yeah, This has arisen. And yet this is inc- inconstant. Because of its inconstancy, it will be stressful if I try to hold on or to push it away. It is subject to change. And the same with loss, with status, with disgrace, with censor, with praise, and with pleasure, and with pain. Okay. Pain arises and they reflect. Pain has arisen for me. It is inconstant, stressful and subject to change. They discern it as it has come to be. So what changes when we see this? Yeah. First of all, that we recognize, ah, this has happened. Gain has happened. Yeah. Pain has happened. Yeah. Something has happened. We just recognize it. Yeah. And then we also remember, yeah, this is not everything, (laughs) yeah, this is not all, yeah, yeah, this is a conditioned phenomena that's arising in experience, yeah, it's not permanent, it's not constant, it's transient, it's changing, and it can lead to dukkha, but it can also lead away from yeah, it's really important, and it's how we relate. So we are not, when we recognize that and when we remember, what happens? We're not consumed. Remember that phrase, consumed by that? It's the only thing that's there. We're not consumed. And we don't then get triggered into these habitual ways of reacting. Yeah. If we think this is all there is, it's going to be, you know, fight. <laughs> yeah, fight the experience if we don't want it fight everything else if we want to keep it as it is, right? So there's not, there isn't that struggle. Yeah. We don't get triggered in the same way into aversion and grasping. Yeah. We remember this isn't, is not all there is, and it's also not here to last, whatever it is. Yeah. Doesn't define me, doesn't define my experience, doesn't define my worth. Yeah. And it doesn't have to determine my well-being. Or the well-being of others doesn't need to determine that. And then, what does that do? It frees us. Yeah, it frees us to attend and respond skillfully to our experience. Yeah, opens up the field, yeah? so we can enjoy the good. Yeah, we can enjoy um, where we succeed. We can enjoy when we get lovely, beneficial, wholesome things. Yeah, we can enjoy when there's pleasure. Yeah, it frees us up to enjoy the good um, and also to attend to the challenging and the difficult yeah, in skillful ways. And all of that from a less narrow yeah, and less identified place. So this is the Buddha again. You know, Their mind does not remain consumed with the gain. Their mind does not remain consumed with the loss, etc., yeah, etc., they do not kind of try to suck in the, uh, re- the arisen gain or rebel against the arisen loss. You know, I mean, isn't that sense of trying to hold on or trying to push away? As they thus abandon this movement of pulling towards or pushing away, they are released from birth, aging, and death. They are released from sorrows, lamentations, pains, distresses, and despairs. They are released, I tell you. I, I don't know why I love this language. <laughs> From suffering and stress. Yeah. From suffering and stress. So they are released. Um, and we know that in the moment, in our own experience, right? We know that when we can see the bigger picture, when we can open up the space, when we can open up the vista, okay? When we can remember this isn't everything, doesn't define. Who I am doesn't define my experience doesn't limit me in the way um, you know that the um, patterns yeah the patterns are kind of pushing towards you know, bringing us back towards. And perhaps you could feel it in the practice that we did earlier, right this opening into this welcoming receptive, allowing yeah meeting with experience. Yeah, opening out the space, receiving the full range, not getting as triggered or maybe not getting triggered at all into the push pull. So we can we can practice this. Yeah, we can practice this yeah, on the cushion and off the cushion. And this is often spoken of as one, um, one form of equanimity, or one aspect of equanimity, yeah, equanimity in relation to the worldly wind, that capacity to stay steady with all that spinning, <laughs> yeah, to actually stay steady and not spin out, yeah, and not spin out. Um, And really, really important to remember with equanimity, so this is one aspect of it, is that capacity to stay steady and stable. Uh, But alongside that is also the responsiveness, not to forget that side. That what that non-spinning allows is appropriate response. That's what it is kind of really allowing. If we're not spinning around, we can actually... Take our bearings, we can actually see what's going on, we can actually remember a bigger picture and we can respond. So all of this is you know is rooted in this um, in the core ignorance, yeah, the ignorance which is at the core of all our, our suffering. <laughs> Yeah, and the suffering in the world. What ignorance? The ignorance um, that sees self, that sees phenomena as existing separately and inherently. Yeah. So thinking this gain is something on its own. Yeah. Not related to. Not impacted by how I relate to it. Yeah. So we 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 tend to think ah oh, this this being here and what happens in our lives. Yeah that is um, inherently existence. And yet when we realize that none of this is real in the way we take it to be, yeah. So this pain, yeah, we remember, yeah, or this gain, we remember, it's subject to change. It's inconstant, yeah. It's not separate. It's not solid. And not only is it subject to change, it is dependent on our way of relating to it yeah this is the key yeah dependent on how we relate to it when we remember that yeah letting go is natural and easier and wise response is natural and easier i was kind of trying to to think of an example um I actually had a better example come up in the meditation, but of course I didn't uh, write it down. <laughs> so I don't remember it now. So we'll have to go with the pre-prepared. But I kind of remembered this thing that, I don't know if you know this, but you know this, if you've been on retreat at Guy House, you know that you can um, leave a feedback form at the end of the retreat and everyone in the staff reads them, including uh, the teachers. the retreat and uh, i i finished teaching a retreat and i thought it had gone really well and then i read the feedback forms and um and the interesting thing was you know they were all very positive and one person uh really had some uh critical things to say about me yeah they had some some critique of me And so there's negative feedback, and the mind, of course, latches onto that and gets consumed. (laughs) So it's consumed by that. Oh, that person didn't like me. They thought I wasn't a good teacher. Um, Whatever it is, yeah, that story, it's consumed. So we can see a few things there, yeah? We can see um, how our mind latches onto the negative, yeah? That's kind of what it does. So in these pairings, it will usually go much more towards the loss um, and the disgrace, um, etc., and the pain. Um, but then here's an opportunity to work with it, right? So there's that really strong habit of, of really latching on, contracting around it, yeah. Contracting around it. And then some real work needed to loosen that up, yeah? To loosen that up, to see the bigger picture. I don't know what's going on for that person. Yeah. I don't know what's going on for them. Yeah, that's their view. Yeah, that's their view. They're allowed to have that view. Yeah. It's not the only thing that's going on in their lives or in mine. Yeah, so it kind of open up the vista, and then that allows the really important questions to come up, like what can I learn here? Yeah, both from their feedback. Yeah? Is there something I can learn here from that feedback once I don't take it so personally? yeah. What are they actually saying I can hear? Is there something um, worth learning here? Is this a skill that I can further refine or cultivate? Yeah. So is there something I can learn here uh, from what they're saying? And of course, there's a lot I can learn here from my own response and how I'm attending to it. <laughs> So that becomes, you know, the whole world opens up, right? Becomes less personal, but much more fruitful. Yeah, much more beneficial. So we can, you know, within those situations, we can actually say, you know, when we get triggered in those ways, it's an opportunity. Yeah, when we can remember, this is, you know, a worldly wind, it's a spin. It's a habit of mind. Yeah, that latches on to these things. And can I just uh, remember that and see what else is possible? So we can really practice, you know, just like we did on the cushion in those moments, you know, practice um, receiving the experience. Yeah, just receiving and letting go of that. I don't want this. Yeah, just receiving the experience, letting go of the resistance, letting go maybe of the need to be, appreciated, yeah, and if I, if I stay with that example, uh, we can relax the contraction in the body and the mind, we can open out the space of the body, yeah, we can remember this isn't all about me, <laughs> this isn't all about me, so useful, yeah, if we can remember that, you know, and then, and then other things come, like I said, interest. Capacity to learn joy actually comes. when We remember that. When I said that, a bunch of you smiled. When I said, it's not, it's not all about me. What a relief, right? What a relief. So we can feel that. So this is the, the closing of the sutta. You know, Buddha says, this is the difference. This is the distinction. This is the distinguishing factor between the well-instructed disciple and the uninstructed ordinary person. Gain and loss, status and disgrace, censor and praise, pleasure and pain, these conditions among human beings are inconstant, impermanent, subject to change. Knowing this, mindful, who this is a big one, the intelligent person, (laughs) the intelligent person ponders these changing conditions so that desirable things don't charm the mind and undesirable ones don't bring resistance. The reactivity is scattered and gone to its end. Yeah. So that's, that's the Buddha on... Um, on these eight worldly winds, and, and the possibilities that they offered to us. And um, it's also what I wanted to, to share um, around this sutta and these re- reflections. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.